Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. Hey, I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We're live at Facebook. We're live at YouTube. We're live on Twitch. We're live on Twitter. Maybe you're listening to us later at Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your audio podcast. It's all good. And we are very DC representing today, Pete. We're both wearing the black shirts with the DC logos on it. Yeah. yeah we're up in the DC, you know what I mean? Yeah. Washington, DC. What? Yeah. No, no, no. It's my favorite place to visit. Cherry Blossom Festival. Oh, you love a good cherry blossom. Government. I was there. Didn't I see you there? There was uh, that day, January 6th. We were both there. <laughs> I was there and you were Don't there. even try it. No, <laughs> sir. I was not there. Yeah. Don't try to uh, don't try to put me in that. No, no. no. Okay. Well, no. there's a lot of questions I have, and I guess not a lot of answers. Uh, one of the questions I do have the answer to, though, is where's Justin? Hopefully, he's going to join us later in the show. He is. He's probably... he's scouting a location because he's mm. a line producer. He's and not that's a line things, producer. That's how things work in the TV world. He's not a line producer, but he is out scouting a location right now. Hopefully, he'll be able to join us later. If not, we're going to make fun of him a lot. So there you go. Hey. Regardless. We have a bunch of great guests for you. Let's bring two of them in first. They are the folks behind the book Spiderweb. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Mose and Patrick Hernandez. Hey! Welcome, welcome. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the show. Excited to have you here. Excited to talk about this book. Uh, Now, Jeff, you're the writer and artist, and Patrick, you are the letterer and one other credit that I'm forgetting. Yeah, I'm the... Well, as it's in the book, it's actually production. Production. Uh, I had to look. You had to look. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, important. You're always doing a good job when you have to check what your job is. Uh, Why don't we (laughs) talk about the book, though? This is a twisty, very interesting crime thriller that takes a little bit of a documentary approach to it, which I found pretty fascinating, particularly for a comic book. Jeff, where did the idea to approach it this way start? Uh, this started before the pandemic. I was uh, I had an idea for the story I wanted to do, and I was doing research. I'd go and talk with a, a criminal defense lawyer friend of mine. Ooh. I couldn't figure out how to put the story all together. So then uh, I just sat on it for a good long while. And then during the pandemic, when everything was not really happening, I figured, like, it's time to get this book put together. And I ended up uh, just seeing a documentary on Netflix one night, and it's like, that's it. That's how I got to set it up is doing the documentary uh, sort of style. Oh, nice. Well, uh, talk me through this a little bit because I do think it works in the book. So I'm not saying this derogatorily at all, but usually you wouldn't think that sort of static sort of talking head type thing would necessarily lend itself to the comic book format. So what challenges were there when you were putting it together in terms of the structure of the book? Well, when I first started thinking about it, I was thinking maybe like I'll use like a nonlinear narrative. And then I figured like, I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, Then I thought like, do I want to do like a courtroom scene? I don't know if you've ever been to a courtroom. They only look interesting in movies. A real courtroom has nothing in it aside from a desk and chairs in the bar. So the challenge was in just uh, trying to make it visually interesting in terms of having a lot of talking heads telling you things. So what uh, then, just to take it a step further then, yes, that's the challenge, but how did you approach that then? How did you make it visually interesting? Well, uh, when I started writing the book, I just had a feeling of uh, how I wanted to do it, seeing it in my head. And then it was just a matter of getting it on paper. Uh, Because when I think about it, I'm thinking about how I'm moving my camera around uh, for all uh, my storytelling. Uh, to make the story really try and pop, if that makes any sense. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. The other thing that you do here that we're getting a little bit of a sense of if you're watching the live show is it jumps pretty rapidly through various decades. Um, that's a that's a big scope for this sort of story. Was there any thought about focusing it in on a smaller era or was that part of the appeal to you to jump through the decades? Oh, that was definitely part of the appeal. I wanted to just tell a tale over time of just how bad a single incident can uh, make all the fallout. And I thought the best way to do that was to just go through time and show people getting older, situations getting worse and worse. Yeah, I really like the way we kind of you, you started off by kind of like uh, breaking down how like people will kind of change stories just through their own bias and their own perception of reality. And then we kind of have this like cool interview style. And then what's also a fun layer is the artist is doing kind of like famous people's faces. Uh, it's, well, the artist uh, is Jeff, just to yeah, Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, during the pandemic, it was very hard to try and get somebody to come over and do some life modeling. <laughs> well, it's a fun, it's, it's kind of a nice, fun, layer you know and it's like oh man it's the guy from happy days uh so it's just a <laughs> guy from happy days you're talking yeah. about ron howard right yeah i'm talking about old okay. ronnie howe right. uh you know and uh it's just kind of a nice additional layer when you're reading it that's fun treats i also really love the black and white style it kind of fits the noir aspect of the story yeah, absolutely. Uh, we were playing with the idea of doing color, but then uh, I started to figure out that that was going to make for a very hefty cover price. So just kind of said, like, eh, as much as I'd like to do it, it's just not in the cards right now. Yeah, I'm cool. Uh, Patrick, talk to us a little bit about your role. When did you end up joining the project? Well, actually, I started <clears throat> uh, initially I was going to color the, the graphic novel. Mm -hmm. And I did some pages, and Jeff really liked my work. Uh, then, as Jeff said, it moved to a uh, black and white uh, graphic novel instead. Then uh, I talked about a bit of of what of my other projects. I also do lettering. I do pencil, inking, coloring, and lettering. And uh, we we well, I lettered uh, some pages. And it grew from there, and it's it was quite interesting. I enjoyed it a lot to work on this project because it's dialogue heavy. Dialogue heavy. It has a lot of yeah. uh, scenes. Well, as you said, talking heads. And as a letter, you have to take that into consideration because if if there are several um, text um, text balloons, and you start to get as a reader. Uh, overwhelmed by the amount of text, it's going to be an obstacle for the way you read it. So I had to consider that and spread uh, as much as possible all the text in a way that it felt natural, that it felt organic for uh, each character whenever they were speaking. Well, you did you did a great job because I hate when I open up a comic book and I'm like, what is this, a novel? Come on over here. Nobody talks in giant monologues all the time. So it, you did a great job of breaking it up and not uh, having it feel, even though there is a lot of dialogue, uh, having it not feel too overwhelming. Yeah, thank you. And I also took that into consideration uh, in terms of the font size because mm -hmm. I remember even as a kid, uh, there were some pages of comic books that this, the font size changed uh, with no reason at all. <laughs> I mean, it it looked like they were whispering and they were just talking. And so it was like, what, what was that? So now as a letter, I have to be careful about those kinds of things. So I want to use a size that could be used whenever they, uh, the panel needed a lot of text to be placed and not cover any of the artwork in a way that it will be, uh, well, it would affect in a bad way, the way you appreciate the art. Yeah. And that's also the reason why I wanted to really work with Patrick was when I was looking at his stuff, he had a really good eye for storytelling and uh, page layout. Great, yeah, it's super important. Um, I do want to get back to the celebrity lookalikes thing, though. Were you worried at all in terms of getting likeness rights or anything? Or was it more feeling like it was falling under parody laws or whatever you want to call it? That's funny. I was just talking with this uh, uh, to Jimmy Palmiotti a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, that guy's you know, fun. Yeah, we were talking about process, and I was saying because he saw like on the cover, like, "Oh, you got Michael Rappaport." And I'm like, "You damn right, I got Michael Rappaport." <laughs> yeah, and uh, he was saying like, "Yeah, you know, sometimes, especially like I said during the pandemic, you just got to use what uh, is available." Yeah. Uh, was there? <laughs> this is such a silly question, but is there a favorite actor that you have that you're really excited to include in the art in particular? That's why I uh, brought up Michael Rappaport first. <laughs> okay, there you go. Not the guy from Happy Days, as I call him. No, I mean uh, when I was trying to visually figure out my characters, I was just doing searches about people that had interesting faces. I didn't exactly oh, nice. want anybody to be pretty or handsome. I just want them to have an interesting face. Yeah. Uh, could you talk a little bit about the release of this book? I believe it's independently published and released. So what has that experience been like? It's always an experience and it's different with every book. Uh, I mean, thankfully, like uh, when I brought Patrick on, I told him, like, I want this to be our book. And uh, one of the things that Patrick did is he actually lined up our distribution for Nationwide. Uh, the book was published by a, a great little uh, printer called Comics Wellspring. Uh, the, it doesn't warp. The material is very solid, very high quality paper. So it's actually been a blessing. That's great. Well, uh, Patrick, could you talk about that a little bit, since that falls more under your purview? What was involved in getting distribution for the book? Sure. Well, my well, my oldest job uh, in terms of getting out of college and started working professionally is at Dark Slinger Comics. I'm the artist of Minislingers. It's a comic book that kind of reunites every character from the publisher into a family-friendly book. Well, um, my editor and friend, Adam Watson, also started a distribution company called Comics Mainstream some time ago. And I talked to him about what I was doing with this book, and he told me to get him and Jeff in touch so they could, well, see what, what would come up there. Yeah. And they did talk, and I think everything went, everything went great. Excellent. Uh, well, if somebody wanted to pick up this book, where can they check it out? Good question. It is Thank going you. to be available on <laughs> comicswellspring.com in just a few days. All right. And I'm also making the rounds around, uh, through uh, comic conventions around the country. So look for me in like, seven different uh, cities. What's, uh, what's nice. coming up next? What's the next venue that people can check you out at? I just got confirmation that I'll be at Savannah Comic Con. Oh, nice. I uh, I just uh, did all my uh, paperwork. I'll be appearing at uh, Mice in Boston. And oh. uh, there's a couple other things in the wings. I just got to finish up the paperwork. Awesome. Doing a little job. Uh, well, Jeff, Patrick, congratulations on the book. It's yeah, very it's great. cool. Really fascinating to read. And uh, good luck. It's a great read. For people to check it out. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. Cheers. All right. Uh, and Pete, I know you were wondering about this. Uh, when he said he's going to be at Mice, uh, that's actually like the creature mice. Like they host a whole comic convention. Oh, I thought it was one of those inflatable rats that you see out in the Scabby? street. Scabby? Scabby yeah. the rat? Scabbers? Yeah. Is that? I don't remember. Scabatron? Scabatron. No, Scabatron is in Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Uh, one, of, one of them turns into the Scabby rat because he's like... You guys, we gotta form a union of Transformers, of Autobots to fight the Decepticons. That's Sounds like says. a good idea. Thank you. I auditioned for the voice and I didn't get it. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> All right, listen, why don't we bring in our second guest here? Yeah, here. that's a yeah. great idea. No, you don't want to keep talking about it. No, I really don't. Okay. Don't want to do that. All I'm saying is we support the writers, okay? We support the writers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we do, but not in a weird, yeah, yeah not in a weird way. WGA strong. <laughs> oh my God, you're yeah, the worst. It sounds like I'm being sarcastic and dope. It right? does, it I does. Really do against what we're trying to do. So far, you've said you're against writers, and you were there on the, you know, the big. Uh, I can't even remember you can the say date. It. You can't. Oh, you can't remember. Oh, I don't know what date is it. Uh, I don't remember. I don't yeah, sometime I don't in even... January, like the sixth. <laughs> I don't even remember. I don't know where I was. 
Hey, what Nate, about that Nate guy from Washington you were bring up. Virginia or Maryland? Honestly, who can say? Why don't we bring in our next guest? He is uh, the writer of Lucifer Licorice, a new book that is crowdfunding right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Russell Dualti. Hey! hey. Wow. What's up again? How are yeah, you Yeah, good guys? to see you again. Welcome yes. back to the show. Uh, Love the art you have behind you. Absolutely fantastic. Oh, Just thanks. That's all really my art. All my art and all my books and all my cat. All my books are on my arm because I'm very vain. Oh, well. No, I love it, though. It's cute. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And this so is, is your book. the two main characters. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Right there. Uh, well, talk us through this. This is up on Kickstarter now, Lucifer Licorice number one. Uh, currently, just to read it off, let's see if it gets a big bump by the end of the show. We're basically doing a telethon here. You have 13 <laughs> days to go. Your goal is 7,500, and you are most of the way there. You're at 4,835, so nice. still a little way to go, but doing pretty well, I think, this far. Yeah, yeah, we did really good that first week, and then you have that like hit a brick wall on Sunday mm -hmm. and we've kind of been uh we actually inched back a little bit and hopefully we're gonna shoot back forward but yeah, yeah Lucifer okay. Licorice is about a spoiled brat prince who's turned into a can a licorice monster by a candy witch and has mm -hmm. to learn to stop being so bitter so he can turn back into his old body and uh, quit being chased by things like bungle bums and things so it's like Adventure Time uh regular show uh, uh, summer camp island. Like, if you like weird animated shows, like that's very much the vibe of this thing, and mm -hmm. it's very, very weird. I usually do weird books that are more in the bloody, terrifying, action-packed vein, and this is very much the weird book in the animated, wholesome, um, uh, all ages vein. Yeah. Well, and so the art is by Angela. Uh, oh my gosh, I made it too small. Bassing. Uh, Oddling. Uh, there we go. Yes. Uh, it, it is adorable for anybody who's listening to the podcast. It is very adventure time, I think, in a very good way. But yeah. like you're saying, Weird World, I'm always very interested about this. How do you set the rules? Like, what are the rules when you're like, I'm in a weird world where ostensibly anything could happen? But you know, in order to have the story progress, it can't be literally anything. So what guidelines did you put for yourself here? That's a really interesting question because when I would, we would, Angela and I have very, this very weird energy when we work together where like <laughs> anything that I say, and I'm like, she's never going to go for this. Like she ends up like taking and making it weirder. And, uh, then the same thing happens. So we just like bounce back and forth with each other. I was like, what if they go to hell? But we call it Heckin. What if there's like a demon monster? And they're like, which is like, what if it's emo? So it's a lot of uh, Angela had this idea. So this is like Angela's general. Actually, it's like four Angela concepts that she had. One day she made a post that was like, should I make this book or this book or this book or this book? And I was like, why not all of these books as one thing? And so... Most of it is like Angela has an idea and like I find a way to make it work in the world. And then she tells me if it fits into the world. Uh, so I think uh, like there's gravity. I think I'm pretty sure that's gravity that's working yeah. against him uh, or some force that's like gravity. And I think it's important mostly to have the magic rules right. And one thing that I'm very careful to do in these books is to not talk about the world that much or not talk about the magic or the rules of physics, because that ruins my ability to not to fly by the seat of my pants. Mm. Uh, and okay. so uh, usually what happens is uh, we say we're going to go into this situation. And then what is the weirdest thing that happens? And like, how far can we move this without making people feel, think we break br uh, break the world? And so we're like, probably if they like just murder someone in cold blood, that's gonna break the world and experience. So like, let's pull it back. What if they just make them really, really sad? Or like, what if instead of like, actually like noosing up Lucifer licorice, they, the townspeople just scream at him and uh and like then they have to run away um and it turns out you can get pretty far in comics with by like flighting by the seat of your pants a lot um, i mean you can see all of these books that i've done behind me are kind of uh well would it work on adventure time 
yes, then we can probably do it here. <laughs> uh, it's interesting to hear you say that you're sort of taking her ideas and framing them up. You know, this is anybody listening probably knows this, but I think despite the fact that comics should probably be an art first industry, that's not necessarily how it works. Right, it's definitely writing be. first. So, uh, First of all, I love that. I love that you're working that way. But second of all, what what does the actual process look like? Is it her giving you the overall frame and then you're writing to that? Is it more Marvel style where you're giving a little bit of an outline and then getting it back into the dialogue? What's the back and forth like in terms of actually creating the book? So we've been working on this project for about um, five years. And so mm. it's a little hard to remember exactly how we got started. <laughs> um, but... Angela writes these, I don't, uh, she has this uh, webtoon called Detach and she writes these like kind of smaller vignette stories inside of this big world. And so Angela wanted to kind of, she's since graduated into this big story, but like she wanted to tell like a cohesive narrative across multiple issues. And she had a bunch of ideas how to do this. Um, uh, the, Angela Oddling, that comes from uh, her universe called Oddland, where she mm -hmm. has all of these weird characters. Uh, and it's kind of a very slice of life story. So, um, so it's a lot of her saying, I really like this weird idea. How can you make it fit? And then I say, like, she had this idea for uh, this, um, like, this this demon, this, like, emo demon who, like, was really sad about his, uh, his girlfriend breaking up with him. And I was like, oh, well, like, what if they're the bad guys in issue two? But, like, are they really bad guys? And so it's a lot of, like taking the ideas being like okay so the 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 general frame is it's an uh adventure story it's kind of like an adventure road trip story right like so i like to have the frame of this is what we have to do a thing happens the the main character has to go on a quest to find x and then it's like roughly every 10 pages x has to happen like we have to have a turn here we have to have this thing and then it's taking that rough framework and saying, um, what's the weirdest thing you can think of and trying to put all of these obstacles in place that end up um, moving the story along. So in the first issue, the first thing that we see is Lucifer is not used to being, um, being treated like a monster. And we see that monsters are bad. And so each one of the events that happen, this is really inside baseball, have to inform the story and also turn the narrative in a way that uh, advances the plot and gets people excited to continue for the next five to 10 pages. And so you kind of have, because this book is 30, this issue is 36 pages, which is really, 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 really um, uh, long for most comics. You have to just have these little events. And my, our, my thinking was, well, what if these, uh, what if we bring in like just a heavy dose of absurdism into the book? And instead of like having these same events in my dark fantasy worlds, we instead have it in this like kind of kooky, zany adventure time world. Yeah. And by the way, just a little note, nothing is too inside baseball for us. We are we are 100% inside the baseball. That's what that phrase refers to, right? Yeah, exactly. You got yeah. it right. Yeah, you're in there inside like, the, world of the baseball. Exactly. And it's spinning around. You're like, well, I'm going crazy and getting so dizzy because I'm inside this baseball. So I get it. Anyway, uh, I did want to ask you just sort of to take a step back here. We've had other guests from this group here, but this is being put together by Unlikely Heroes Studios, which is a, I, best, I think the best way of putting it is like a female forward studio. Um, how did you get hooked up with them? Uh, so I uh, am the founding editor of Cthulhu is Hard to Spell, which is an anthology <laughs> series that they licensed um, last year from me and they put out uh, the first three of the six volumes they're putting out uh, to to uh, of the books that are already done. So they're taking the three volumes and they're breaking it up into six volumes. Uh, and so they put in paperback. And so they put out three volumes. And when they did that, 
they were like, we kind of want to do another book with you. Do you have anything? And I had given them a lot of pitches. And I said, well, I do have this one book that like we just can't seem to get around because we just don't have the resources to like, Angela's pretty busy now. So she just can't like do this particular book in the way that she wanted to. And I was like, this feels like a Kickstarter book because Kickstarter is built around the premise of like, we want to fund creative projects that wouldn't exist otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so this is a, this is very much the kind of book that like we started and we loved, and then we got busy and we literally just, I can't draw this book. Like nobody can draw this book, but Angela. Uh, and so in order to get this book going, we really need to like have the funds to finish issue two and then issue, and then hopefully issue three as well. Um, so uh, when they, when, Lori heard this, uh, heard the pitch, and we had done a story for her in Elsewhere Volume 3, I believe. She's like, I love Angela, like, whatever, whatever you want to do. <laughs> uh, and so I gave her this book, and she fell in love with it. And, like, everyone basically who actually reads it falls in love with the series. And uh, and so, yeah, like, it became pretty easy. Once I, once I find somebody that I really, really resonate with and that can do good work, like, I pretty much just want to like work with them as often as possible. And luckily it seems like Lori feels the same way. And she wanted again to do more all ages stuff and more bookstore stuff. And like, this is just ended up being the best of all possible worlds because we all three get to work together now. Awesome. Hey. Um, I love that to get into the Kickstarter itself. Obviously you're going to get the book. If you pledge this, what else can people look forward to? Pins. I love pins. Like the <laughs> like there's a there's a pin of each three monster of each of the three main characters. Um, the one I love most is Molly because her thing is slay monsters, uh, <laughs> which I think is just like a great uh, take on it. And then the other and then there's a shirt that says "Stop staring at my moobs." Uh, and then there is uh, Prince. And, and, and to be clear, the Moobs are the ghost-like characters. That's yes, the, the main the character. character. One of the main characters is Moober. He's a tea towel ghost, and so mm -hmm. it's like him with a rain with like in, with a rainbow, um, uh, you know, lines like movement lines, mm -hmm. and it's like in a circle that says "Stop looking at my Moobs" right about here. Um, and you can get it in two colors. And then there's a sticker sheet which I love, uh, and. Uh, yeah, if you guys have had an Like the Hero Studios on, you you know that they are just an incredible, they are incredible at merch. I mean, they're incredible at books too, but like they are so good at merch that, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and I don't do a lot of merch. So if you've been like, why does it, Russell, I want, I love your books, but like, where's your merch? Like, <laughs> Unlike the Hero Studios, like knows how to do merch and they're doing a lot of awesome stuff. All uh, most of them are designed by Angela Odling. And then we have um, D Fish, Fishley, and a couple of other amazing variant cover artists as well. Um, uh, as well, I believe there's five variant covers plus the A cover. Awesome. awesome. And just because you mentioned that you're looking to do issue two and beyond, whatever, at what point are you at right now in the creation process? Have you finished the first issue or are you still? Oh, yes. So it's done. Issue one is done. It is ready to send to printers after this awesome. campaign. We finished most of the inks, if not all of the inks on issue two. And that's kind of where we sit now. But this issue is done. And we have an outline for issue three. So like it cool. will, and that's the end. So like we will theoretically, like we have everything at least outlined, if not done. And for awesome. this campaign, we have everything done. Love it. Uh, Russell, that's so cool. This book is so much fun. I'm very excited for people to check it out. Fingers crossed you get that vaunted comic book club bump and it pushes you over the edge. I, I don't want to guarantee anything, but it's definitely going to happen and I stake my life on it. So <laughs> uh, Russell, thank you so much for coming on. Have a great night. Yeah, congratulations, man. All right, good seeing Thanks you. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Yeah. All right, once again, that is Russell Noelty and the book is Lucifer Licorice. You can check it out right now on Kickstarter, and it is absolutely delightful. Oh, my God. Yeah, so much fun and super creative and also adorable. But, yeah, just the, you know, you talk about art first. I mean, the, the characters that uh, are, are in that book are just so much fun to look at. And, you know, speaking of merch, I mean, it'd be fun to get them on T-shirts and different stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, I hope it really does well. It's a, yeah, it's a and really I got to tell project. you what, uh, Pete, I can't stop looking at your moves. I don't know. 
I don't um, know what you mean right, by that. It's time for our next section, which yeah. is section, because you all make it up. It's your audience questions. And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question in the comment box. Anywhere you can watch live, except for Twitter, which that just doesn't work for whatever reason. But you can do it anywhere else. So that's all good. Uh, let's talk about what we're drinking tonight while we're waiting for some questions to come in. Oh, Pete, that's what fun. you drinking? What you drinking? Uh, I got uh, got a little beer here. A little, Ooh. little beer action. Yeehaw. Uh, yeah, it's a Circle Theory Hazy. Mm. Uh, First State Brewing Company. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's uh, it's kind of delicious, you know. So nice. I'll check that one out. Uh, Brett Macris, aka Stray Bullet, aka Stray Bullies, as I like to call him, he <laughs> curates a drink for us over the week. This week, he said, "Everybody make your favorite margarita." Um, I didn't make my favorite margarita, but I made my margarita with stuff that I had around. So it's a mezcal Grand Marnier margarita Ooh. with smoked salt rims. So it feels particularly fancy. Mm. Yeah, that does that does seem fancy. It is pretty fancy. Uh, but it's good. And it let me get rid of the mezcal that I don't like. So now I can oh, go buy well, the mezcal that I do like. And, hey, that's, it seems like a win-win right there, buddy. Absolutely. Get rid of liquor you don't like in a way that you do like. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, that's what I do with the bodies as well. Let's get a question here. This is from All in the Game. Uh, specifically asking, this was in reference to an earlier question about do you watch Superman and Lois? Um, I said, I do. I don't know if you do at all, Pete. Uh, but all in the game says, how are you finding season three? Should it end at season four or continue on Max? Pete, I know you're into some of the Hourverse stuff. Did you ever watch Superman and Lois? Uh, I'm honestly just curious. Um, no. I mean, I watched the old school uh, Terry uh, Hatcher. Mm. Uh, uh, Different show. Yeah. yeah, but that's... <laughs> okay, yeah. you should check it out. You like it. Great. It's a, a legitimately good show. Great Superman. Great Lois Lane. Good romance stuff going on. Plus the teen romance. Will they smooch? Won't they smooch? Who knows? You love that stuff. I will say for me, I'm a, like an episode or two behind on this season for season three. But in terms of should it end... Uh, well, first of all, in terms of how I'm liking it, this show's really good. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler here for this season but the big plot line that they introduced at the beginning is uh lois has breast cancer and they introduce it not only is it like a very emotionally gut-wrenching story that uh bitsy tulak who plays lois is doing an incredible job with but it's also not to be callous about a story perspective it's such a smart thing to do because it's something superman can't fight like he can't punch breast cancer it's something that he doesn't know how to deal with he loves lois so much he just wants her to be better and he doesn't know what to do about it and so presenting that sort of challenge to superman is phenomenal in terms of the drama of the show it's hard to watch tyler hocklin who plays superman has been doing an amazing job with that the teens who play their kids have been doing an amazing job so overall really really good season really dramatically strong again i'm a couple of episodes behind but in terms of should it end or season four continue on max so a little bit of info about that that i'll mention um there's a lot of backstory here but the short version is which everybody pretty much knows there's been a lot of behind the scenes changes over at warner brothers discovery and that's led to Sons of a Gun, our James Gunn-focused DC podcast where they're revamping the DC universe. So there's questions about like what DC stuff is actually going to continue, what's going to go into this new universe. James Gunn has said that he loves Superman and Lois, but also they're casting Superman Legacy right now. So they're going to move on to a filmic Superman at some point. So that complicates things. On the other end of the spectrum, you got the CW, which has gone through massive changes. It's cut most of its shows it just announced its new fall schedule and other than walker and all american there are no what you would consider cw shows on the schedule whatsoever three shows that no they have no more made. riverdale no more Who, riverdale uh, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. no 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 pete i watched the last episode ever of the flash today it felt like the end of an era wow yeah, did you get young. choked up i actually did a little bit like it was still uh. 
I don't know. I was a huge fan. I'm getting very side here. I'm a huge fan of The Flash from back in the day. Season one, phenomenal. Seasons two through three, really, really solid. I watched all the way through this season and this season, like I watched the first couple of episodes and I haven't necessarily gotten caught up. It's so, I don't know, it just doesn't work anymore. But the last episode, they had some, I can't get into specific spoilers, but there's moments that like hearkened back to the beginning and the history of the show. Nice. And like, it got me a little bit, you know? Well, because, good. I'm glad that I did yeah, well. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a solid episode. But my point being, it's all ending, right? The three holdouts, the three things that they haven't announced anything about so far are Superman and Lois, Gotham Knights, and All-American Homecoming. Those are the three shows. Uh, I was at the CW scheduling conference the other day where the head of programming for the network was talking about their decisions. There's some Q&A afterwards. And he said some interesting things specifically about Superman and Lois where it seems to me, he didn't say this explicitly, but it seems to me that they love the show creatively. It's a strong show. Of course they want a Superman show on their network, but it seems like the one big holdup for them is that after the season airs, all of the streaming rights go to what was formerly HBO Max is now, as of today, Max. And they want that because they're like, why would we broadcast this show and then we get none of the money and none of the eyeballs afterwards? Right. That it raises questions about, like, the same thing happens in All-American. That goes to Netflix afterwards. Walker goes to Max. So why isn't there an issue there? So I'm sure there's some more complicated things. But that seems to be the sticking point. So this is a very long way of saying that I think the CW wants it to continue. And I think they eventually are going to give because they're not in the bargaining position here. And I do feel mildly confident that we're going to get a fourth season of Superman and Lois, particularly because... They showed a reel of the CW's 2023-24 season, hyping it up. There were clips of Superman and Lois in there, and the last shot was Superman flying towards the camera. So they're banking on Superman being on the network. Like, I think they're going to do anything to make it happen. On the off chance it doesn't, I do think there's still a good chance that Max will pick it up for a fourth and final season. So this is just all me prognosticating and guessing. There's no inside information or anything. But I do think there's a good chance. There and is what would you say thing. your percentage is? Do you say you're, you're 50% right? Would you say you're 12% right when you call uh, things there's like been, this? We are in a very weird place in terms of the entertainment industry. So any guesses I make are like... I mean, are we even going to be making television next year? I don't know. As yeah. of the end of next month, there might be no more television ever forever. Who even knows? There's going to be the Screen Actors Guild strike, potentially. There might be a Director's Guild strike. Wow. In which case, everything. Only so, podcasts. And oh, we don't oh, do man. any writing on this. So. <laughs> oh, we're in there. We're right in there, Pete. <laughs> There's no writing on this show. Yes. Yes. It's our time. Woo! It's our time up here, is what I like to say. Anyway, yeah. I feel I think bad they're... for Justin's day job, but, you know. It's fine. He doesn't even bother to be here, so fuck him. Yeah, well, he's trying to put food on the table for his family. You know what no, I mean? No, I'm trying to... Oh, what was that, dude? <laughs> no, I don't know, man. Well, uh, if you're listening to the audio podcast, I made a really beautiful hand gesture. Just now. The, <laughs> I don't know if I would say it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. The there, I think there will be a season four of Superman Lois. I do think it should be the last season. I think it would be kind of perfect, frankly, if, like... They gave it one more season. That aired in 2024. And then 2025, we get Superman Legacy. And just in terms of Superman, things move over there. But this, apparently the season ends on a cliffhanger. I would love to see them just like finish the story that they want to tell because they've been doing a great job so far. So there you go. Lots of information there, but I think it all ties into the answer. Why don't we see if there are literally any other questions that have popped up while I've been monologuing there? Maybe, maybe not. Um... Okay, we got another one about that. Here we go. This is from Scheuchler. Fave types of merch, especially anything that's not usually offered as merch. Great mm. question. I'm going to turn it over right over to you, Pete, because you're the merch guy. I do. I do love some good merch. I love patches. Remember patches? They're mm. great. Mm. Um, I don't know how to sell them on, but I, I got a soft spot for patches. Um, I also love a good T-shirt, and, mm. uh, you know, there's nothing... Uh, there's nothing like uh, rocking a tee that you're proud of. You know what I mean? Really kind of make and make or break your day. You know, it's like a new pair of shoes gives you a little mm -hmm. pep in the step, a little bob in the stride. Yeah, you know what I mean? 
Yep, 100%. I know exactly what you mean, and I have no questions. Right. <laughs> I agree with you on the t-shirt. I think t-shirt is probably the best overall one, particularly, like, if it's a nice, snug, comfortable t-shirt. Or a good, good cape. Fun. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I love cape. when someone makes a good cape, you know? Mm, I'm not quite with you there, bud. Uh, I will say two types of merch that I could do without at this point, and this is only because I get them, sent them all the time. Uh, thermoses and tote bags. I'm at the point where I'm like, please stop sending me those. I have so many thermoses. I don't drink that much. And tote bags, like overflowing tote bags all over my apartment at this point. So don't need those. But t-shirt's good. Um, Looking behind me, I'll say this thing that I'm pointing to here. This was a watch for Watchmen that I got at the HBO Watchmen after party at Comic-Con. That was pretty sweet. That's a cool piece of merch. I also have a Superman watch that they sent out for Doomsday Clock that has like the melting, bloody Superman logo thing. That's pretty cool as well. So maybe a watch, I would say. Something I don't get very often. It's a little expensive. It's a little expensive and I don't wear it, but that's definitely one that I'm like, well, I'll never get rid of those. Those are sweet. You can bury me with those. Yeah, bury me with a million watches. So anybody who comes by my coffin here is a horrible amount of tickets. <laughs> Don't open that one. It's ticking. <laughs> Oop, that's probably bad. Uh, let's see. This is Schreckler is asking for spoilers uh, about The Flash. Did it end with Barry waking up, realizing it was all a dream, and trying to explain it to his bedmate, Gorilla Grodd? Oh, that's yes. funny. That's funny. I, I wasn't going to say spoilers, but yes, and Gorilla Grodd was actually played by um, uh, Bob Hope. Not Bob Hope. That's not her own thing. Bob Hope. Bob You're Hope. so old. The resurrected corpse Bob of Bob Hope. Hope. What the fuck, Bob man? Newhart. That's who Bob I Bob Newhart. Yeah. Still pretty old. <laughs> yes. Uh, cool. I think that's all. Oh, here we go. Uh, here's a question. Suzanne Plachette. Yes, it was Suzanne Plachette as Gorilla Grodd. And Bob Hope. I'm sticking with that one as Barry Allen. Well, there you go. That was it for our questions. Oh, uh, man. Al- yeah. Alex, let me ask you a question while we oh, got a little go. time. Great. Hey, Alex, how you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm fine, thanks. thanks are you? Hey, Pete. Hey, how are you, are you, how you doing? How you oh, doing? Man, I'm like this close to losing it, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'm all right. The weather was pretty nice today. Oh, that's good. It's yeah. good. Yeah, good, good times. Yeah. And that's it for your audience question. Hey, all right. We did it. Uh, folks, we are going to move on to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Pete LePage. Oh, that seems dangerous. All right. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars to Midtown Comics Online or uh, uh, maybe a charity of your choice or, uh, of course, Long John Silvers for some reason. But, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's an opportunity for a uh, answering a few questions and then winning uh, some money. Yeah, if you're watching live here, just say me, me, me or raise your hand or hand up or anything in the comments and we will call on you and you'll basically be handed 25 bucks that's pretty much how this works yeah for spending uh, uh money on comics uh, online david acevedo says i do like hush puppies i think he's getting for the long john silvers Ooh, david smart. if you want to do it it is yours to do i'll all tell right. you what let's assume david acevedo is doing it that's right he did a bit that's almost like volunteering that's uh it's good enough for me good all right enough for Take bits count bits count bits count all right this is the part we give back to you the lovely audience today's trip is on i know i know i know i'm stretching too much apologies for repeating myself Selvin. jesus lighten up you fucking dick all right today's trip is a topical comic news and a small nod to the legend jim brown r.i.p please listen to all three options before making are you serious oh my god i mean never mind you got You're not doing Ray Stevenson? Eventually, yes. But, uh, you know, you got to kind of go in order a little bit. You know oh, what I mean? Jesus. All right. All right, Pete. Ray's next week. Way to blow it, you fuck. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, here we go. Here we go. Uh, David, sorry to keep you waiting. Here we go. Question number one, David. Uh, who's writing the new Thor book out in August? Hint, it is called the Immortal Thor. 
Is it A, Al Ewing, B, Donald Blake, or C, Vic Wilson? Uh, only one of those is a good answer and uh, so could possibly... It? What was the first one? Uh, you mean the correct answer? It's Al Ewing is oh, what wow. it is. Right, yeah, just that's the for first David one. because it's not... Oh, David said there it. it is. David is playing. There we go. He got it right. Let's get All the right. second question. Here we go. Question number two. DC is coming out with a crazy-ish in August called the blank. Is it A, Norris Illustrated Swimsuit Issue? B, first Chuck Norris, or C, Charles Bronson. And so, just to be clear, this may or may not be the answer, but it's Gnorts Illust- yeah, Illustrated. That's a, issue. that's a correct way to pronounce it. Thank no, you. No, 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 but it's very funny. Gnorts. I made me laugh sports, out loud when I said it. Yeah. Sports Illustrated. It's Gnorts Illustrated. That's a good pun. It's a, it's, a, uh, it's a quality pun that I was murdering. Uh, all right. Uh, again, uh, don't overthink this, Dave. You just wanted to say A here so we can move on. That would be great. Oh, God, he said C. What happens? What do we well, do? Well, it was close. It was close. I appreciate yeah. the fact that he acknowledges that Charles Bronson was the first Chuck Norris uh, before Chuck Norris blew up on the scene. So I appreciate him uh, calling out, uh, being supportive of me and my choices there, my comedy choices. All right, let's move on since he is correct. It is A. Uh, and we're both looking forward to that crazy issue. Uh, here we go. Last one. Also out in August is Boom Studios comic called The Blank. And uh, I'm sure Zelvin is excited about this comic. Is it A, Buffy the Last Vampire Slayer? Is it B, Buffy's second to last vampire slaying? Or is it C, Tully Savalas? So which one of those do you think that is, David? I am really excited about that Tully Savalas comic book. Oh, my God. You imagine what that's going to be like. You know, that comes packaged with a little lollipop. Why wouldn't it? Like, yeah. Right? I mean, that's just marketing genius right there. That's marketing 101. Yeah. Oh, man. Um. It's A, oh, just wait. Yeah, yeah, it is A. Just waiting for David there. But uh, let's just say he said A. And congrats. Yay. Yay. Nice job, David. Thank you for somewhat participating in this. I really appreciate it. Amazing. Uh, Dave, email us, comicbookclublive at gmail.com, and you're going to get a gift certificate to your choice, Long John Silvers or Midtown Comics. Either way, if you want those mm-hmm. hush puppies, you can have them. We absolutely will send them to you. That's right. Uh, David says, I'm talking to my wife. Ooh, he's probably consulting whether they want Long John Silvers or... Yeah. Um, uh, or maybe she's like, what the fuck are you doing with your time? And he was like, hey, listen, I, I'm really... Hey, I'm trying to get us dinner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who's your tribute to, Pete? Who's the tribute to? Uh, so, it, uh, I'm talking about, of course, the 1967 hit, The Dirty Dozen. Mm, of course, of course. Yep. Now, I'm going to be picking up a dirty dozen of comic books this week because there's Ooh. so many good things that are coming out. Pete, what are you looking forward to? Well, I'm looking forward to picking up a baker's dozen of comic books, but uh, the one that I'm very excited for is City Boy number one, mm-hmm. the old Greggy Pocky. Yep, absolutely. Uh, that's great. That is actually out today, and it follows a... Guy who could kind of sense lost things throughout Gotham City. It's spinning out of a story that was in the Lazarus Planet issue. Um, great stuff. Excited to talk about that. Bunch of stuff I was excited about that is coming out this week. Really interested to check out Terror War number two from Image Comics. That's by mm-hmm. Saladin Ahmed. Mm-hmm. First mm-hmm. issue was this great satirical near future or far future maybe thing about people who are fighting these gigantic fears, terrors in uh, a city. Um, very fun, absolutely wild premise. Really enjoyed that. And what was the other thing? That yeah, was what really... was the other one you were Oh, well, for? the other one I was very nervous about reading that I'm curious to talk to you about. All Eight Eyes. <laughs> or, excuse me. Oh, All... <coughs> I can't Don't even die. say it. There's spiders crawling out of my mouth. Oh. All Eight Eyes, number two. It is so this creepy. crazy horror movie thing about giant spiders in New York City in the late 90s. I have, a, I have arachnophobia. It is very upsetting to read that book, but it's really well done. So excited to talk about it. We're going to talk about all those books and many, many more. Hey, uh, st- just real quick. David is uh, looking forward to Scrapper out by Image. Mm, I don't know what that is. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Very exciting. 
if uh, all those books, except for Scrapper, sorry, are going to be in our Stack podcast that comes out Wednesdays, 9 a.m. in the Stack feed and the Comic Book Club feed. And, folks, that is it for this week's show. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Jeff Mose and Patrick Hernandez for coming on to talk about Spiderweb. Also, Russell Nalty for Luke, Lucifer Licorice. Check that out. Yeah. Next week, Logan Rogers is going to be here to talk about Tales from the Cloakroom Volume Ooh. 2. Don't know if you heard, but Volume 1, we had back on the show a while back. Got nominated for an Eisner Award, one of the stories, Ooh. so should be excited to talk to him about that. Also, Jorge Molina is going to be talk here to talk about nice his Zoop Jorge. collection, Zerto's The Art of Jorge Molina, appropriately named. A couple of other things to plug. Sons of a Gun, our DC-focused podcast. We're doing a bunch of news stuff, a bunch of recap stuff, revisits, rewatches, rereads, things like that. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast. We're gearing up for Secret Evasion. And in the meantime, we're doing a bunch of news stuff coming out there. Riverdale After Dark, a Riverdale podcast every week. Ooh, we are halfway through the final season oh, of Riverdale. Oh, man. Things Can't believe it's bad. coming. Oh, it's going to be so sad. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and all the shows we do. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram or TikTok, Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Hey, thanks for showing up, Justin. We appreciate it. We have to check a line. We have to check a line on the scout. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.